speak with one voice. It doesn't mean you have to think that way. But when you walk out of that meeting, for you who were the dissenters, you're like, I did not agree with it. I did not vote for it, but we did it and we're moving forward. And then zip it. That's not the only thing that's going to happen in your timeline on the board. And you don't know what's going to happen a week now or two weeks or a month from now that you're going to need to come together as a board. And if you undermine individuals, individuals you live near, that's a big problem for everybody. HOA Insights, common sense for common areas, exists to help all 2 million volunteer board members nationwide have the right information at the right time to make the right decisions for their future. This podcast is sponsored by four companies that care about board members. Association Insights and Marketplace, Association Reserves, Community Financials, and Kevin Davis Insurance Services. You'll find links to their websites and social media in the show notes. Hi, I'm Robert Nordland of Association Reserves. And I'm Julie Adamant of Adamant Inc. And this is HOA Insights, where we promote common sense for common areas. Well, welcome to episode 38, where we'll be talking about board dysfunction. Some of you are in the middle of it as board members. Some of you are in the middle of it as homeowners, with a board that is secretive, lying, misappropriating money, self-dealing, ignoring problems, or power-hungry. So the question is, what do you do? Well, this is a follow-up to episode number 37, a conversation that we had with Russell Munns about what a board should do to minimize fraud opportunities. And if you didn't catch that episode or any of our other prior episodes, take a moment after today's program to listen from our podcast website, www.hoainsights.org, or watch on our YouTube channel. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on any of the most popular podcast platforms so you don't miss any future episodes. And we enjoy hearing from you. So if you have a hot topic, a crazy story, or a question you'd like us to address, you can contact us at 805-203-3130 or email us at podcast at reservestudy.com. So Julie, to start today's program, let's start with one of those questions and we have a special treat in the answer. We sure do. Uh, so we had a listener who asked us not to use her name, uh, but, but here's what she's told us. We're dealing with the member disputes with regard to maintenance. At our association, we had a toilet leaking into a unit from the unit above. The governing documents clearly call this a member issue, but the leakers kept telling us the leak E. I, lo- I love the terminology. I do too. The, le- the leakers kept telling the leak E that the management company is responsible. Of course not. At times, they've told the leak E the association was handling it just to deflect the problem. Meanwhile, the leaky has brown ceiling stains. He even offered up the plumber that they used for a similar issue in their own unit, but the leaker just keeps stonewalling. We had a management we had management call the leaker to assert some muscle reminding them it's their problem and not the association's. Yet, the issue persists. While I know as a board member it is not an association manager, manage excuse me, association matter, and the management call was a courtesy We even offered to send out the association plumber and charge them for the repair. But it's hard to keep apologizing to the leaky and suggest they seek legal action against the leaker. But it's starting to feel like this is what must happen. Yeah. Heck of a problem. Leaky and leaker. 
uh, owner versus owner. Uh, the board member is clear that it's not the association's problem. Maybe they're referring to governing documents. Good for them to have read the governing documents. Good for them to um, uh, be involved. Um, and trying to solve the problem. Trying, trying to solve to. the problem. Yeah, inaction is just the problem. So uh, we thought we'd do what we recommend boards should do in this type of situation, get clear legal advice. So we reached out to noted California attorney Adrian Adams of the Adams Sterling Law Firm. You can find them at www.adamssterling.com, A-D-A-M-S-S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G, for some help on the issue. And here's what he said when we posed the question. Uh, hi, Robert and Julie. Uh, this kind of issue is fairly common in the industry. Uh, water is always a problem. Water is the enemy. And uh, water between units, it used to be that we could say it's an owner-to-owner problem, and as an association, we're going to have nothing to do with it. Uh, that's really not the case anymore. And where this really came up was when the big mold issues were hitting uh, all over California. And uh, I remember being in court once, and uh, the judge said, uh, wait a minute, doesn't that water have to go through common area to get to the next unit? Uh, and the answer is yes. So therefore, it is an association problem. So it's not strictly an uh, owner-to-owner problem. The association's involved because the water passes through common area. And you also have issues uh, involving nuisance issue under the CCNRs. So the owner above is creating a nuisance for the owner down below. Association needs to get involved. It's a violation of the CCNRs. Also, there is a health element, and there are uh, within typically within CCNRs, and uh, uh, giving authority to boards of directors to deal with health and safety kinds of issues. And where that comes in is water, over long term, especially creates mold, and mold is a health issue. So if you've got black mold growing, uh, it could impact the health of the owner down below, and suddenly you've got a big lawsuit against the association as well as the owner up above. So the association does need to get involved. They do need to do something to to deal with it, even when the CCR say uh, it's an owner problem. So the owner, and it's true, the owner above with the leaky toilet has to fix the toilet. He uh, also is now responsible for the damage to the common areas, which the association is responsible to repair. And then the association can bill back to that owner the cost of those repairs that were caused by the negligence of the owner up above. So the association can't just bury its head in the sand and say, nope, it's not our problem. Uh, It is their problem. And uh, the sooner they deal with it, the less expensive it is. The longer it goes, the more expensive it can become. So it really is in the association's best interest to get involved with it, uh, with the problem early on and require the owner up above to fix his toilet, his or her. And if the owner refuses, then it's a matter of going through the process, calling them to a hearing, uh, imposing fines, uh, they still refuse, then uh, the ultimately you make a, a demand, you're going to sue them, uh, and you're making a pre-litigation ADR demand uh, to take them into mediation. Uh, and at that point, they will, <laughs> it's cheaper for the owner to fix the problem than to defend against the lawsuit. 
So normally you don't have to take these all the way to court, but you do have to be very clear and very firm about what needs to be done. And this is where uh, typically a lawyer letter to the owner is sufficient to get things done. But if not, then you've got recourse and you just follow the steps. Could you, would it be responsible, Adrian, to shortcut it a little bit and give a lawyer letter that says if it is not fixed by two weeks or whatever, something reasonable, um, then the association will fix it themselves? Well, that means going into the unit. Uh, right. And even though CCNRs will often have that language in there that allows the association to do it, I don't recommend that they do. Uh, because then you've got all kinds of problems, potential problems. If they stand at the door, you push your way in, assault, battery, trespass claims. Um, oh, you damaged this, you damaged that. Uh, it's just not not worth it. So what? It, in, in effect, if you want to shortcut things a little bit, instead of going through a hearing process and fines, just start with a lawyer letter right at the beginning. And um, so a demand is being made, and we're going to sue you if you don't fix it, and we're going to give you a deadline. Then you don't have to do the, you know, we're going to call you in front of the board, and, you know, if you don't fix it, we're going to sue you. Uh, so you just kind of have to gauge the individual you're dealing with. If they're generally, you know, they work with the association, they're just slow on getting things done, then, a you know, calling them before the board may be sufficient to get them moving. But if it's somebody that's a bit resistant, uh, then you want to start with the lawyer letter right at the outset and the threat, uh, and that will usually get the results that you need. Sure. You know, Robert, that's really interesting, but that's exactly what I thought Adrian was going to say. To me, it's the only solution that makes sense. And, and back in the day when I was a manager, uh, I would have said probably the first thing I would have done was get a lawyer to send a letter. And people usually have a tendency to... Uh, hop to what they're supposed to be doing once they get that. Yeah. Um, it's almost like I feel back when I was a kid and some people would say, well, just let those two fight it out. And that's rarely a good solution. And for the, the board member, well-intended board member to say, yeah, leave it up to these two people to work it out. Um, and I was thinking the same thing, that you don't get from one unit to another unit without going through common area. And so the association can assert itself. And I think the whole point is, hopefully, the leaker, I'm thinking unit 201 versus unit 101, yeah, the right. leaker mm -hmm. will realize, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to do this sooner or later. I might as well do it without legal fees. And that's, I, that's the key. Yeah. And it's going to get more expensive no matter what they do. I mean, just like Adrian said, it'd be more expensive for the association to continue to fix. They uh, incur liability by not fixing it uh, with the mold issue and other various things. So, yeah, the the lawyer nasty gram, I think that's a good good way to go. Yeah. But, you know, the board member, though, I, have to, I give her credit because they were certainly trying to uh, alleviate the problem with what they thought were their parameters by go by following those governing documents. But like Adrian was saying, at least in the state of California, that and if whoever wherever this woman uh, is is located, this board is located. You know, if you talk with a lawyer, they may bring you more up to date on what the you know most recent case law is, and and now that the associations can't just say you know no, it's not our problem. 
you have to because of this type of situation. Maybe it's a high rise. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know, just stack units. Who knows? Two stories. Doesn't, don't know. But still, that's common area and you're responsible to take care of the inside of that. Even though your governing documents, which may have been written 25 or 30 years ago, don't actually reflect that. So remember, everybody, lawyers are tools. I mean, I mean that in a good way. But lawyers are yeah, yeah, yeah. tools, <laughs> just like any other service provider, though. I mean, if you, I, and, you know, another person to have talked to, uh, a resource they could have had was been, would have been their insurance agent, who might very well have recommended the same course of action, get a lawyer. Yeah. Well, I guess what we're focusing on here is a board that's taking action, trying, well, they call the free podcast, trying to find a solution, trying to find wisdom. And that's why we're here to encourage, to inspire, to um, in, inform, to educate. So many reasons we're here on the podcast. And help. But, and, and, and help. help and help. Because, so we have, you know, we have one person today. Um, so we that, may have helped good. 30. We don't know. I that's mean, a, people that's a very good this, point. you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's a board that is moving forward and trying to take action. What yeah. about the topic of today, which is dysfunction? Uh, a board that would have said, hey, not my problem. Let them fight it out. A board that is uh, insulating themselves against what's going on in the community. A board that hasn't raised assessments in X years, even though everything else is getting more expensive. How common is dysfunction? Oh, it's very common. And I think every board member and every homeowner listening to this right now, and even if you're a manager or a business partner, I think we would all say it's probably more dysfunction than function. And I don't mean that in an, it's like, oh, you guys are terrible. It's not so much that, though you all know there are horrible boards and board members out there. But I find a lot of board dysfunction has to do with simple ignorance of what they should be doing uh, and just not having enough information or even knowing where to go for the resource of information. Everybody, this is why Robert started this podcast, so we could give people some information like this. But I think it's endemic to the industry because boards, you know, they're volunteers. They're mostly on the board because, you know, <laughs> they stepped out of the room and someone voted them in. <laughs> <laughs> or they said, okay, I'll take that position because no one else will. And it's or not they, like, or they had one simple problem they wanted to solve, and they were not yeah. prepared for everything at the association. Yeah. Oh, yes, the agenda-driven. Like I'm getting on the board to lower dues twenty percent, and that's all they focus on. So right. it's the nature of the business. So I think it's really good that we are going to talk about this we, for all of you out there. We had some discussion between Robert, myself, and the other hosts uh, via email about shall we do dysfunction? Shall we talk about it? Is it negative? And my view, just to let you know, is that it's so common that I, I think if we don't talk about it, we're ignoring the elephant in the room. We're, do, we're doing this ourselves. So I think that it's a good thing for us to talk about. And for all of you out there who are suffering from a, a dysfunctional board or you're on one, please let us know and let us know how we can help you. Robert gave you the information earlier, you know, who you can call, you can look me up online or, you know, on LinkedIn or whatever. I'm happy to talk with you about any of these type of topics and we'll bring it right into the podcast. Right. We'll do what we can. Um, yep. What are the elements of it? I think there's a part of it is boards doing the wrong thing where they're squashing a nominee for the board's um, application a board's um, taking inaction, not doing something. So it, it can go both ways, where they're literally doing the wrong thing, 
maybe they're getting a little eager about uh, some funds that are in miscellaneous cash or hiring their brother's landscaper that um, can inflate the price just a little bit and they get a piece of the action. There's so many things. Do you, do you see it more as things that they are doing wrongly or things that they are not doing? I would say that's just a crapshoot. That's okay. 50-50. It just depends um, on it. So let you want to take those, what, let's let's talk about the inertia, sure. the let's not okay. do anything. The most recent board I sat on, uh, I was sitting, pre, before I moved down here to Arizona, uh, I was sitting on two boards at one time. And one of the associations was, was larger as I had a rental in there. And it was really a great association. That was a board, not just because I was on it. They'd been that way for a long time. That was a board that was proactive. They took care of things that needed to be taken care of. There wasn't a lot of bickering about spending $5. I mean, they had enough money. Uh, dues were, were uh, definitely affordable for what people were getting. And when a board is proactive, they don't suffer from that inertia of, gosh, we shouldn't do that. Let's table that. And we'll table that for six months or five months or 12 months. And that inaction, what happens is that the homeowners start real light. If you're a homeowner at a place like this, you know, they start noticing that maybe the uh, the uh, playground equipment looks shabby or part of it is broken. That's a liability issue. But not talking about that part right now, but it looks broken or, you know, the units need painting, but the board's going to put it off for another four or five years because they're just afraid to spend the money or this particular board is afraid to spend the money. And what can happen, and this is very common, is believe it or not, your home values can actually go down based on how it looks and, and honestly, the happiness of the people around there. Uh, and who live in there. The association that I was on that on the board of I was speaking about, overall, the homeowners were very happy. The place looked terrific. We all, I mean, and it was very complicated landscape-wise. Lots and lots of little things that had to happen. And overall, it just worked well. But that was because that board was not inert. They were willing to step out and spend the money that they had. They had it in reserves because they put the money in reserves as they should. And it just, and everyone was generally happy. Now, I know that's, that may seem like an oxymoron to some people, a generally happy homeowners association, but they were. <laughs> it's true though. So I, uh, so I think if you talk about inert ones, I think that's common and mostly because the board is probably confused on what their role is. They're afraid to make decisions. They don't know, or they don't know how to make the decision among themselves. Oftentimes they're leaderless. You know, it's just rudderless, leaderless, or someone who's the president or some not, no one is acting as chair and, and just leading them down this way. And I think fear is a lot of a problem there, but oh my God, if we spend this money, Robert, you know, this in associations there, you know, uh, you know, they're just, they, they look at those 40 or 50 or $60,000 expenditures. And for a lot of people who are on boards, they may have never had that experience of having to, other than maybe buying a house or buying a car, that's the most expensive things they've ever purchased. And in a lot of places, you know, $60,000, $70,000, people aren't paying that for a car. I mean, m most people yeah. don't. So yeah. that's, to them, it's visceral. It's like, this is hard to do. I mean, think, Robert, with the first time you bought a new car, how old were you? How many years ago was that? <laughs> uh, I was newly married and my wife and I brought used cars into the marriage, but we were expecting a child that we needed a four-door car. Each yep. of us had two doors, cars, and 
Yeah, that was, yeah, that, that's a lot of money. We had a budget number and yep. we found out it was going to be more expensive than we anticipated. And that's, you just realize, okay, life is expensive. And I think that's maybe one thing that we have to make clear, what's remind people that owning real estate is expensive and you're not going to have success by slashing the budget. If you buy a house and you just say, I'm not going to fix the roof, I'm not going to paint the fence, I'm not going to paint the house, I'm not going to fix the landscape, I'm not going to fix, you know, your home value is going to go down and down and down and you may have saved hundreds or a few thousand dollars, but the real money is made by maintaining the home and letting it uh, increase Appreciate. in value. That's, that's yeah. the big money with home ownership. And so yeah. they're missing they're missing the objective here. And yes. we're talking about not just one home, but the homes of 50 or 100 or 500 people where how the board- Or 5,000 people. Or 5,000, I mean, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those kinds of things. So um, yes, the board has a, and you've mentioned it before, the board has a personality. They like to do this. They are stronger in this and weaker in that. And it may be a leadership issue. It may be uh, different types of things, but- those are the characteristics. And so the board has a personality. Now, um, there's different types of it. There's people who don't care, the people who don't invest the time. Yeah. I think about the board members who got on the board because they thought, you know, how bad can it be? It's one meeting a month. Uh, and they I'm so sorry yeah. if that's how you got on the board, but it's, you're not the Lone Ranger. That's pretty common. Well, yeah, um, I was there. Be aware of the cocktail party before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just crazy. I, I really thought if those nice people were running the association before me and asked me to be president, then I could do it. Um, and that was when I was a, a young professional working hard at my, my first real job. But yeah, dysfunction is a real thing. We don't want to make this into a complaint session. We don't want to make no. this into a uh, top this on who has the worst uh, dysfunctional board. We'd, but we'd be here for hours. We'd, We'd be, be here, here for, for hours, hours, and that's but, what this whole podcast would turn into. Um, yeah. But we want to find ways to help people have solutions. So let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Numbers matter, and we need numbers like game scores and bank balances to let us know where we stand. The same is true for your association. Is yours thriving or struggling? Let me introduce you to the FICO Health Score, like your own personal FICO credit score. Now in one simple number, owners and boards can learn the combined financial, physical, and operational health of their association. The good news, it's free at rfico.com. That's our F-I-P-H-O.com. Learn how your association measures up. And we're back. And I'm here with Julie, of course, and we're talking about dysfunction. We talked about inaction. Uh, let's talk about some other things. What about the proactive things that are going on that are really wrong? Um, Julie, can you take that ball and run with it? Yeah, you know, usually those type of things are uh, that a board will, or the stronger board members or member will push through probably something having to do with their own agenda. Maybe the reason they got on the board was to make sure that uh, all of the flowers are white. I actually had a board member many years ago. That's why she got on the board, because she thought all of the petunias should be white. This was a ginormous project, but that was her agenda. And okay. I, or it's it's either that or it's, uh, oh, I play pickleball and I want those courts perfect. 
and we, though they really are okay and other things need to be done, but they're doing it for their own agenda. It's also, it, that's also pretty common as things happen. So, or doing things like Robert had talked about earlier, oh, I'm going to hire my brother-in-law to do the landscaping and I might be taking a little schnitzel off the side there. So those are pretty common things that happen. Yeah. I'm, well, I think there's also maybe some healthy tension that's somewhere in the middle. I'm thinking now of a, a client of ours that has horse property and they also have tennis courts. And so that community is pretty evenly divided between the people who get dirty and smelly working with horses and like trails and the other people who dress up nice and go to the tennis courts and um, sip their iced tea in between sets. And that's, that's two different kinds of people. So sometimes there's healthy tension, but the dysfunction is when the things just aren't going. I think of misuse of power. I think of the board members who are maybe um, undermining the board's authority by saying, well, I didn't vote for that, or maybe making Ooh, improper yeah. suggestions. And we, we may hear from Kevin Davis in the future about when those kinds of things happen, what, what happens. Yeah. But misuse of power, um, trying to, well, not having an open election. Or if someone does run for the board, they happen to uh, lose the application or they deny the application for some crazy reason. They're just, those things there's, bother there's me. Just, it runs the gamut. I mean, it really yeah. does of, of how things can, you know, go off the rails. I think you, you touched on one that I just want to address really quickly that I talk about it in my classes, my board member classes, about is speaking with one voice. And, you know, when you're on a board, just and, and, and homeowners and other board members be aware of this, that when when a board makes a decision, let's say it's a five member board, three say yes, two say no, the two that say no absolutely disagree with what the board has done. And let's say it's not illegal or immoral. It's just something they don't want. And if those two board members go around doing this to the other homeowners, they, they you undermine the entire board and you undermine yeah. the board's integrity. Uh, so speak with one voice. It doesn't mean you have to think that way. But when you walk out of that meeting, for you who are the dissenters, you're like, I did not agree with it. I did not vote for it, but we did it and we're moving forward. And then yeah. zip it because other that's not the only thing that's going to happen in your timeline on the board. And you don't know what's going to happen a week now or two weeks or a month from now that you're going to need to come together as a board. And if you undermine individuals, individuals you live near, that's a big problem for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're not always going to get your way because it is a collaborative and it's arguably a democratic process. And hopefully they have a vision and mission that is a higher authority. And yep. the majority says, yeah, we are a peaceful community, therefore... I know everyone likes pickleball, but it's just noisy and so therefore it doesn't fit. And you could have a three to two against converting one of the tennis courts to a pickleball court. And that's, that's the way it goes. You have to appreciate what are we trying to accomplish here? Well, what does, what does a board member do if they are on the board? They're the one in five that is always the minority vote on the board. Um, Sometimes that happens just because they have a different vision for the association. But what if they see a majority of four that has been on the board for the last 10 years, is always late with financials, sometimes skips a few months of financial reports, 
that starts to smell fishy and the board only ever lets one new person onto the board, what does a person do? Is it dangerous for them to, well, I'd want to ask this without asking a legal question. Is it dangerous for them to continue being on that board or what can they do to make progress at their association? Well, I, that's, without specifics, it'd be hard to say, but you know, there is a process about getting other people on a board. And if you are, if that person is the minority and they, and their opinion is shared by many others within the community, then start lobbying people to run for the board. Yeah. And uh, it, it, usually people end up on the board a long time because no one else will volunteer. And I think I would impress upon, if I was that person, I would be knocking on doors, people I knew who thought like I did, and they wanted to make some changes on that and just said, look, if we don't do it, who will? If we don't take care of it, who will? And it's it's kind of a civic duty. Th- Actually, it is a civic duty thing. Yep. It's not It's not easy. I'm not saying that. So I would say there's that. You can always try. If there's a liability issue in there, you well, I mean, you're certainly covered by insurance, but I think as a board member, maybe I wouldn't want to be on that board. That would have to be something very specific that I would resign over. I also wouldn't be afraid of, you know, putting in writing my concerns about what's going on to the board itself. Now, uh, I know a lot of board members or people who would say, well, I'm going to send it to the membership. Mm, I'd be cautious on that. But I think putting your concerns down in writing would be great. Maybe asking them to be put in the minutes. That would be iffy if they would put them in or not. You know, you, you ask that that written thing is a part of the minutes, not yep. writing down the whole thing in the minutes. But uh, definitely having something to file and, and that you send it to everyone uh, may be helpful. Uh, it's better to try and collaborate than to be a rogue person coming in and, you know, and flinging arrows. That just doesn't make you any friends uh, in in general. So it, it's a difficult position to be in, but I think the first thing I would do is try to get other people on the board. Those long-term board members can often be a problem, but, but again, like I said, usually they're there because no one else will do it. Yeah, so if you can get other people, and now I'm thinking back in my experience, when I became president... I started thinking, who would I like on my team? And I literally lobbied other people. And because there's often not a lot of other volunteers, there's a, a fair chance that those people can get elected by the association overall. And yes, it's going to cost some time, but I'm telling you, I sold my unit for a healthy profit when I ended up selling my unit. And that was the reward. And I got effectively well-paid for my time as a board member because of the increase in home values that I got. That's a great way to think of that, Robert. Yeah. And, and to put, to not, and that's a fine point on it too. And to your point, uh, that board I was on that I had a rental, yeah, we made a very healthy profit on that house. That was, that, that neighborhood is so desirable. People were waiting for houses to come up to buy just like that. Yeah. Well, as we let out this uh, episode with your association attorney should be on your team uh, running for the board. In some states, there's a state ombudsman. Uh, Julie, what's, do you have an opinion on a state ombudsman? My understanding is, I mean, in the states I have lived in, Bennett, we didn't have that. But my understanding is that sometimes they can be quite overwhelmed. It's like there's really not, there's like an um, ombudsman, but one person 
dealing with a lot of problems. So there's that. I, I, I don't. Okay, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a from a state's point of view, associations are small businesses, small nonprofits, and they are inclined to. You guys work it out. That's your internal problem. Don't you have governing documents? Don't you have an attorney? Don't you have wise counsel from your professional manager? My yeah. thinking is don't make state ombudsman your first choice and only choice. Um, it's not your crutch. They're, they're not a crutch. Correct, yeah. Not your crutch. Good management where you have uh, professional management, where you have credentialed management, where they know what they're doing. It's worth the money that you pay for it. You're going to get wise counsel. They're going to come in and be the voice of reason to help the board move forward, to take projects out of the board's hands. Again, it's going to cost a little bit of money, but that's money well spent. What is it? Is it 10 bucks a door per month? Something like that? It's Depends, yeah. It's a, it's a couple, couple, nice cup of coffees. It's less than a, a cost of lunch per month to have professional yeah. management per door. So that's money well spent. I have a feeling that we could go very deep in this. And I, I believe we'll spend more episodes on this. We look forward to your feedback as the audience on this subject, where you'd like us to go. Uh, it may be just a, I don't want to say a flaw in the community association housing model, but it is definitely an opening for problems. You have volunteers trying their best, uh, but they are, as you all know, um, underpaid. People. They're people. <laughs> they're, they're people. They're people. They're under under paid, undertrained, overworked. Again, we're trying to encourage and equip here as much as we can. So if you have some feedback, please give it to us. We're here to help. Well, Julie, I look at the time. And as always, I thank you. It's great talking with you. Any closing thoughts as we've opened up this whole idea about uh, dysfunction? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think maybe uh, in the coming episodes that you and I uh, speak, Robert, I think what we should do, and we've talked about this before, is come at this uh, from the macro first. And I think a lot of boards are dysfunctional because they really don't know where they're going or or why they're existence. So I think we could go into mission and vision statements and core values. And a lot of people may go, oh, that's different. It's HOA, yes. And let me tell you, it works. It works when everyone is at least in the same church. They may not be in the same pew, but they're in the same church. They at least know where they're going. And that can uh, help alleviate dysfunction. So we should talk about that. Yeah, I think we touched on that in an earlier episode. Again, you can go we to have, yeah. www.hoeinsights.org, look at the episode titles, and we talked a little bit about that. That's that overarching umbrella of what are we here for? What are we trying to accomplish? And that can bring a board together and help um, put some... And bring the ointment. community, too. Yeah, community yeah. in, too. <laughs> yeah, and put some ointment on wounds when there are divided boards. And they can say that, yeah. you know, we may not all exactly agree, but we are moving this association forward towards this higher objective. We hope you learned some HOA insights from our discussion today that helps you bring common sense to your common area. We look forward to having you join us for another great episode next week. You've been listening to HOA Insights, common sense for common areas. You can listen to the show on our podcast website, hoeinsights.org, or subscribe on any of the most popular podcast platforms. You can also watch the show on our YouTube channel check the show notes for helpful links. If you like the show and want to support the work we do, you can do so in a number of ways. 
the most important thing that you can do is engage in the conversation. Leave a question in the comment section on our YouTube videos. You can also email your questions or voice memos to podcast at reservestudy.com or leave us a voicemail at 805-203-3130. If you gain any insights from the show, please do us a huge favor by sharing the show with other board members that you know. You can also support us by supporting the brands that support this program. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed by the podcast do not constitute legal advice. You want to consult your own legal counsel before making any important decisions. Finally, this podcast was expertly mixed and mastered by Stokelight Video and Marketing. With Stokelight on your team, you'll reach more customers with marketing expertise that inspires action. See the show notes to connect with Stokelight.